Hey, boys. What's up? What's up, JC? Left you hanging. <laughs> Sorry, we're back. We haven't done this in so long. It's like we got to start <laughs> over and figure out what we're doing. <laughs> oh, man. Y'all want to record an episode? I do. I, I think we should. Let's make this happen. Let's go. <laughs> You know what makes women stupid is college. Jesus was not a bartender. Hi, man. Two. You have lost your mind. Long tongue heifers have given me a lot more trouble than heifers wearing breeches. And you know that. Say amen right there. One. Let me tell you something, bozo. They'll be selling frosties in hell for this boy. Put on a pair of pink underwear. Amen. I sucked my thumb till I was 14 years of age. Hi, man. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. We are your hosts, Brian, Nathan, and I'm JC. Man, it feels like we have gone on two sabbaticals in the last three months. <laughs> we forgot how to record an episode, guys. Here it is Sunday evening, and we're finally getting this one recorded, but it's good to be back with you. How y'all been? Well, uh, I've got to experience, I've gotten to experience what it's like to be in the bed for six weeks. Oh, man. Uh, you may not realize this, but, uh, we were up in Asheville and uh, we were going to be doing some work on the house there. And one of the pastors said, Hey man, let's make this look like a missions trip and let me video you using a sledgehammer. Oh no. So I pick up the sledgehammer <laughs> and I'm going to bust out a wall and, you know, I'm going straight up Thor. And so we're going to do it in slow-mo. And so I'm like, you know, just growling as I, and as soon as I swung the sledgehammer, I'm like, ow, oh, oh man, that hurt, that hurt. And then by three days later, my right leg was on fire. And what actually happened was I ruptured a disc. Mm. I ruptured it so badly that a, a large piece of bone broke off of the disc wedged between that disc and the next disc at an angle and complete completely crushed a nerve root mm. and so it was unbearable and so since you guys have seen me last i've had surgery on mm. my spine but thank god I, i'm not my legs not on fire anymore which is which is a blessing let me just tell you that and you got to stand and preach today for the first time in a while, right? Yeah, I actually went back last Sunday against the doctor's orders. <laughs> it was kind of painful, which I wasn't supposed to be preaching this Sunday either, but I'd been out for six weeks. I just couldn't, I just couldn't take it. Well, it's good to see you sitting up, right? Last yeah. time I recorded, you were laying flat on your back. So <laughs> I just see you sitting up, but I didn't yep. sure that also. So <laughs> yeah, you, you always do that, JC. You're so loving. <laughs> So you've well, been guys, laying on your back and Nathan, you've moved all across the country. I have moved and moved and moved. I've made so many trips back and forth to Anderson, South Carolina and Asheville, North Carolina, that, uh, it is actually the drive is just an hour and a half. It's not too bad, but I've, I think I've made it a dozen times in about three or four days. And finally 
Wednesday afternoon unloaded my final truck and we still have boxes and everything. We're staying in temporary housing, but living out of suitcases, but I'm done unloading, uh, for a couple months. Praise the Lord. Yes. And my back, Brian, talk about back and spines. My lower back right now feels like I'm, uh, almost your age, man. It's, it's hurting so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Just had to do it. Didn't you? By the way, uh, I'm getting to the point where I really can't talk much anymore because I turned 47 this week. Can you believe that? But you look so That's young, three, so it doesn't really matter. Three years from 50, dude. Like, it's getting real up in here, man. I, I, I do not feel three years from 50. I'm just telling you. My back's sore, but I don't feel that old. You don't look a day over 28. <laughs> the ages well, are starting to go up people are starting to guess in the 30s so that's good for a long time yeah. it was in the 20s but uh eventually it's going to catch up with me it'll happen jc we're just over here hating his guts in the meanwhile but look yeah. you know i have you guys ever read the book the ruthless elimination of hurry it's on my shelf but i have not read it yet i, I need to what an incredible book but you know so right now, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but the average home in America has over 300,000 items in it. Not the richest homes, not the wealthiest homes, the average home over 300,000 items. And anybody who doubts that all you need to do is move. Yeah. You find all kinds of stuff you didn't even know you had. Mm. And you're like, why in the world did we save this? You ever yeah. find things in drawers? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, why did I put this in a drawer? Why didn't I put it in the trash? Yeah. I, my family accuses me of being a hoarder. Now I'm not a hoarder. And when I say that, I mean, I couldn't be on the show because it's not that <laughs> dramatic. It's not that crazy. Uh, but I do have a hard time getting rid of things and throwing things away. For example, I came in with my name tag on from the North Carolina Baptist sin network training that I was at this weekend. And I mean, it's, it's nice top notch first class lanyard. And it's just really cool. I set it over on the dresser. I thought it was cool. I probably probably would have left it there forever. And Carrie's like, you don't need this anymore. Do you? I'm going to throw it away. And I was like, why, why would you throw that away? That's nice. And she's like, what are you going to do with a name tag? You're probably going Here's back next week <laughs> to get a different one. And seriously, I've been to, I think six conferences in the last two weeks. So I have multiple, they're piling up, but yeah, I just have a hard time getting rid of stuff. I guess I'm sentimental or, or something, but yeah, man. Well, Brian, speaking of books to Nathan being a hoarder, uh, I'm so distracted by the books that are behind your head. Nathan. (laughs) For those of you that aren't going to see this on YouTube, or if we ever post this on YouTube, Nathan, describe the shelf right behind your head. So right beside my head up here, as you guys can see, is a hand-carved Jesus Mm, carved Mm. out of wood um, that came from some island island somewhere or something like that. I don't know. But on this glorious shelf right here, you know, beside my head is, I think, almost every left-behind book that has ever been written in the series, which I think what they have 46 books in the series now. And that great eschatological work. Oh, yes. And then over here on this side are the children's books, the youth versions of mm. those. So mm. I think I'll put all these on eBay. Surely they're collector's items by now. I don't know. 
you can never have too much left behind pokemon cards and left behind books that's 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 it so brian you remember when we were trying to get hunter strength to come to Asheville to be the pastor here Mm -hmm. i figured out why he didn't come why he turned us down he walked in this office saw the left behind books he's like i'm out that's it i'm done (laughs) it's over (laughs) yeah well, you know, speaking of collecting, so Nathan, this is what I say. I'm not a hoarder. I'm an acquirer of fine things. Ooh, I like that. And Fine. yeah, you know, I just hang on to things. And so let me tell you a story real quick. So when I was young, a teenager, the greatest Christmas gift I was ever given, I, matter of fact, I think I was about 12, you know, we had no money and, and I, my dream was a mongoose, a chrome plated mongoose bicycle with chrome plated spiderweb mags. Never thought I would get it. My mom and dad, man, they made it happen. And Christmas morning, I had this super awesome mongoose bicycle. I love that thing. I kept it forever. So as Denise and I grew older and we moved from place to place, I always kept the mongoose bike with me. And so she would always say, you're never riding that that bike again. Just throw that piece of junk away or take it to the goodwill, but get rid of it. And I was like, no, that's a piece of my life. Mm. And so I decided to be a smart aleck and put it on eBay. Well, what I found out was it was one of the last mongoose bicycles that was actually made by the originator. And it had the carved signature in it. I ended up selling that thing for hundreds of dollars. Wow. No bicycle to a bicycle museum. And so as soon as I got the check, <laughs> Denise said, man, I'm glad you sold it. And we got that money. I said, there is no we <laughs> on this check. There yes. is only me on yep. this check because had I listened to you, yeah. I would have gotten rid of it years ago. So just know that you might keep that lanyard and there might come a day. <laughs> you just, uh, you never know. You never know. Collector's item. <laughs> I don't, I don't collect a lot of things, but I got my boys when I was coming back from, uh, uh, up in New York, I got my boys, uh, a pack of baseball cards. I always try to get the kids a toy, you know, on the way home, you know, Nathan, when we were sitting in New York, I got them all a t-shirt, you know, yep. and you, you went and bought half the store for your girls and I got mine a t-shirt, um, but I tried <laughs> to get them something. And so I got them a pack of baseball cards Well, then my son realized that baseball cards are actually worth some money. And I have hundreds of baseball cards upstairs my dad used to buy us i remember it was the upper deck or the tops i can't remember which one it was 1985 red box had all of these like Mm. rookie cards in it it's still sitting up there in plastic like unopened and i'm like why didn't why couldn't i just open that look through it he's like you're gonna thank me someday and then my sister got into it a few years later and opened it and you know, kind no. of whole value and stuff. But I started looking through it. I've got Frank Thomas rookie cards, Ken Griffey rookie cards, Albert Pujols rookie cards. Wow! I, I told my boys, I said, we're going to need to, now that they're starting to get interested in this, I'm like, let's start digging through this. Who knows? Maybe I'll put all y'all through college by selling one card. Who knows what? I have yeah. cards that are unopened because that's what dad did every year would buy me a box set. And so like 1982, 83, 84, 85, unopened mint condition still in the wrapping and all that so who knows maybe we'll just uh the if you can put your 14 kids through college by selling 
a baseball card. I want to know what that card is. <laughs> you know, listen, there's a Frank Thomas rookie card out there. I don't know if I have it, but there's one. I saw it on eBay the other day. It was selling for like $15,000. Man, it's a rare card. They, they only made like 10 of them. So who knows? I may have so it. That I sounds like my, one semester. I bought yeah. my son the 1996 uh, tops set for the year he was born. Yeah. And it, it's still, I believe it's still sealed, but I've got the full set and passed that on to him. I've got a bunch of other cards too. Yeah. Uh, so that did that's something. Did Hot Wheel cars? Yes. We, we did. hundred of them. I, I played yeah. with them. I didn't well, collect them. Dad always wanted me to collect them. So they're still in the plastic, like the cardboard yeah. no. from like the eighties. I thought it was cruel and unusual punishment, but now I'm realizing there's, there's value in that. Oh so, yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what I do have on. Uh, that's never been opened i love to collect old lionel trains and so i have some pretty cool lionel trains that's cool nice yeah i have no idea what that is but <laughs> i really have no idea what a lionel train is like a actual like a model train oh yeah they, i mean they'll, okay. they'll actually function and operate um, oh cool like you put yeah. the big old track build the tracks yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But, but lionel trains is like the the best I Top of the been. line, baby. That's awesome. Did you used to like build the big sets in your basement and stuff with little people like Mr. Rogers? No, I only keep them <laughs> in boxes and let my kids look at the front of the box. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> funny. Uh, well, guys, I've had a little transition also in life. Brian, you've been on your back. Nate, you've been moving from Anderson to Asheville, and we are uh, in a season since the last time we were on here. Uh, we have actually resigned from the position there at connection church here in statesboro and so we are stepping out into a new era a new season a new whatever you want to call it and uh, we're we're really excited about what god is doing in our lives there's a lot of options right now and uh, we're just praying honestly you know brian you brought up a really good idea about talking about god's will and uh, you said you were having a conversation with some folks and that's kind of where we're living right now you know we're in this phase of life where we're just trusting and seeing what the next step is for our family. We're, we're excited to be moving into a new season and uh, just anticipating what that looks like here. And so we do ask that you keep us in prayer as you know, there's a move coming. Good news is we put our house on the market. We were sitting there eating dinner. We're like, Hey, let's just see what happens. So we put the house on the market, had one couple come by, look at it, made us an offer and, uh, we, we sold the house, so we're going to be homeless here on September 30th. And uh, <laughs> we don't know where we're going. So <laughs> be, careful, be careful how you word things there, JC. People have already started rumors about you. Yeah. And uh, so now, now this week on Twitter, JC Groves, homeless, living yeah, on the street. <laughs> Not feeding his kids. Mm -hmm. I don't know why toenails came out of there. But, <laughs> but we're, we're excited to anticipate. I, I don't like the middle season when you're in mm -hmm. it you know the the middle season is is always a difficult season yeah it, you can't see beyond what's happening right in front of you but i've been in this middle season in life before and it's cool to see from a different perspective that we serve a guy that can see the beginning the middle and the end and you know when you get stuck in the middle i, I think of jesus in the boat with the disciples you know they let their circumstance cloud their view of what jesus said and that was what let's go to the other side and i love that luke tells us that jesus went to the bottom part of the boat and put his head on a pillow 
like that was planned sleep. He was ready to go to sleep. Why? Because he knew we're going to the other side. There was something to get to on the other side. Of course, we know when he got to the other side, the man full of a legion of demons, he met him, had him healed. But in the middle, they let their circumstance cloud their view of what Jesus said. And I, I like I like this story in the King James, because you know what the King James says right there? He doesn't say storm, be still. You ever notice he says peace, be still. Mm. What seemed to be a storm to the disciples was just peace in motion, but they let their circumstance cloud their view of what Jesus said. And that was, let's go to the other side. So we're in a middle season. We don't know where we're going. Like I said, we literally have a lot of options right now. We're just praying and seeking his will for our life. And, you know, Brian, you brought this up and I, I think it's a great opportunity to have a conversation tonight because I've always said, like my papa said, he said, God's will is practical. It's not mystical. And if that's something that we've kind of dealt with in our culture is that God's will is this mystical thing, like this calling. You want to kind of dive into that, Brian, what you were having the conversation with? Yeah. So I was talking to a good friend this past week and we were talking about how, when we grew up, uh, you know, the will of God was always presented as if it were just this mystical thing that you had to search for. And, you know, it was, I, I think the assumption was that it's inevitable that you're going to miss the will of God. Like I can remember hearing that preached over and over again, don't miss the will of God, you know, and, and it was as if God's will was a specific place at, at a specific time for a specific people rather than practices and just living daily in the will of God, right? You know, the will of God is not a mystery. It's not like God wants to hide it from us. As a matter of fact, multiple times in scripture, you know, we find the phrase, this is the will of God, mm. or, you know, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Uh, you know, God directs us to his will. I believe he wants us to be in his will. I don't think it's this mystical treasure hunt and that, you know, if, if you're lucky and you're one of those few, we remember the guy who used to say, you'll be in the perfect will of God. I believe this would be the perfect will of God. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I just, I think so often that we make the will of God so mystical and we search for it so diligently that in the end, we, we failed to live daily. Yeah in the will of God for our lives. And, um, I, I love, you know, I love it when Elisha was sent, uh, hold on one second. It was Elisha, right? It wasn't Elijah. It's late. It was Elijah. Know. Yeah. Elijah. The Brook Cherith. Cher yeah. The Brook Cherith. I just, I know it's late and I just want to make sure I'm sorry, Nathan. I didn't mean to make this difficult. Elijah at the brook. Yes. Okay. Uh, good. I'm glad I caught it then. Okay. So I've always loved, you know, the account of Elijah when God directed him to the brook. Yeah. And, you know, in an unlikely way, he fed him and he took care of him. And he said, you know, the ravens will feed you there. And he just repeated this phrase over or this word there over and over again. And, you know, Elijah found himself there until the brook dried up and the ravens no longer flew over. And, and then the will of God was that he go to Zarephath and he meet the widow there. And, and so I think, you know, at times God's will is progressive and we just live in it 
And we want to be in the will of God in the moment, in the there that God has for us at that time. Mm. Man, that's a great point, Brian. And we've all been at seasons like JC and I are at right now. And I mean, let's just be honest, Brian, you weren't planning on having back surgery. Yeah. Uh, no. And so you're coming out of a season as well. Uh, thankfully, the Lord didn't move you from the church you're at, but uh, you are still going through a season of transition and unexpected pause and change in your life, a season of uncertainty. And when we go into seasons like this, it's it's always easy and natural to question yourself. And the way that we were brought up in the Independent Fundamental Baptist Church, it was the first immediate reaction was, well, you just missed God's will. Uh, this is your mm -hmm. fault. I mean, how many stories did we hear in pulpits of people standing up and telling about someone getting into a car crash because yep. they left a church or yeah. someone's child getting sick? because they left a church and this is God's consequence. And guys, this isn't something from the, the, the way in the past, this is happening nowadays. I've heard this recently of guys standing up. They don't know what God was doing behind the scenes. They just no. got this juicy story and decided to embellish it just a little bit and make it look like God was, you know, this Thor like figure up in the, uh, the heavens with a hammer drawn back, ready to crush us which that's not who God is. God crushed his son so that he didn't Amen. have to crush us. And he's a God full of grace. And the Bible says he's long suffering and he's patient and he's gracious. But so many times in this, we question ourselves. You know, we, we question, I know JC has in the past few weeks. I know I have, did I do the right thing? Did I go to the right place? Did I do this? But I heard a sermon that really made a huge impact on my life. And anytime I get into a discussion about God's will, I always recommend this sermon. And I think at some point we probably need to play it on the podcast. It was by Lou Giglio and it's called, uh, I think 20 something or 20 someone, something like that. Uh, and the point he's making in this, it's, it's to a, a group of college students. And he tells them a story of when he was at Baylor university and he had a college student who was just agonizing over God's will. And he said, hey, I've got an opportunity to go to, I think it was Maryland, or I've got an idea, uh, um, opportunity to go to this other state. And I just don't know what God's will is. I don't want to miss God's will. And he, this kid was just stressing out. And as he was telling uh, Louie, it was Louie figured out that this kid is worried that he's going to miss God's will for his life. And the rest of his life is just going to be ruined. And let's just be honest. That what was, that's what was sold to us. Yeah. Uh, yes. in the independent Baptist church, that if you take the wrong path, God's done with you. Well, show me in scripture where that's the truth. Mm -hmm. All the heroes of scripture made terrible mistakes. Uh, yes. there's, I think only two in scripture that we don't know about their mistakes. That's Joseph and Daniel. And, uh, we know that they made mistakes, even though the Bible doesn't tell those, but usually the Bible reveals all the dirt behind people. And Solomon, David, Moses, Abraham, they made some ridiculously terrible mistakes, but God taught them through those seasons. And a lot of times God teaches us more through our mistakes and through decisions that we make for the wrong reasons or selfish reasons, or it paid better or, or whatever. God sure. usually teaches us more in those seasons than he does when we go somewhere and it's just this perfect 
perfect road, which I've never taken that door yet. I, I keep thinking maybe it's <laughs> out there somewhere, but it, it doesn't matter. You know, God can teach us. So in this sermon, he, he shares with this college student that God's will is not like that. He was like, you know, the college student came in one day and he said he was on a jog that morning and he just kept seeing these Maryland license plates. And uh, I think they were playing that college that weekend. And so people were riding stuff on windshields and he just kept seeing Maryland, Maryland, Maryland all over the place. And uh, he was like, oh, it's God's will. God's revealing it to me. And Louie was like, is he, or is that just the football team you're playing this week? And, and, you know, they started talking about God's will and the fact of it doesn't always have to be mystical. A lot of times it's, it's practical. And, and the truth he shared with this college student was, I believe that God can bless you if you go to this state, or if you choose to go to that state, like mm -hmm. God has different lessons that he can teach you in his each one of these situations have different challenges. You're going to be around different people. But here's the huge truth that he brought out in this sermon that impacted my life, and I've never forgot about it. He says, God's will for your life has more to do with who you are than what you do. That's good. He said, God cares more about who you are. He cares more about your character that he cares more that you look like Jesus. That's God's will for your life, that you look like Jesus, that you glorify God. He cares more about who you are inside of your heart, your character, than what you do or where you go. And at that season of my life, man, God used that to impact me in such a powerful way. And I hope that speaks to somebody that's listening today, because we do agonize, and I think we should agonize over some of these decisions that we have to make man, I just moved my family from one state to another. That's a big deal. It's going to Im impact their lives. And so yeah. I did pray. I, I talked to friends. I consulted with you guys. I got counsel and advice. But at the end of the day, I'm at rest and I'm at peace knowing that the Holy Spirit's in my heart. God's with me. He's going before me. He's preparing the way before me. And he's going to be there wherever I'm at. Amen. I think another thing, Nathan, you just hit on um, that that was kind of not not necessarily frowned upon, but you almost didn't regard it with the culture we grew up in, the family or you know other aspects. It had to be the position or the title or the paycheck. But I'll be honest with you, in this move that we're looking to make, wherever that is that God would have us go, I'm also thinking about my family my wife, my kids, you know, what the schooling, the, the things for them to do place, you know, and I believe what you just said, God's will is practical. It's not mm -hmm. mystical. And I think too many times we have, like you said, agonized over, all right, God, if I'm supposed to do this, let somebody sneeze right now. You know, we're <laughs> waiting on that like mystical <laughs> moment where, yeah. you know, or the audible voice of God that he just speaks says, go to Maryland, you know, like it would be more, it would be easier if that would be the way it happens. But I believe also that there's, you know, God's timing, his people, his word. I've yeah. learned all these things. There's wisdom in a multitude of counselors is what the Bible says. Yeah. When people are speaking truth into your life at random moments, those who know you the best, that's what I'm learning and how I'm gauging as I'm going into prayer. God, what's our next step? What's the next season you have for us? Because, you know, we know Ecclesiastes said to everything in life, there's a season. And this season, has come to an end. There's a new season beginning. As new people are speaking into that season, 
I believe that God speaks through people. I, I can, you know, saw both of you over the last couple of weeks, you know, with decisions that we have coming up, choices, opportunities, doors that are opening. Thankfully, one of my prayers is during these seasons is God, if a door is not supposed to be walked through, will you just slam that shut? So there's no, yes. guessing. Mm-hmm. no yeah. guessing of like, cause I, man, the guessing game is horrible. Cause I'm like, there are some doors that are sexy that I want to keep open that yeah. I want to be like, Oh man, <laughs> that would be where I want to go, but it needs to slam shut. And so I, my prayer is always God, if that's not a door I'm supposed to walk to through, yeah. make it very evident that i'm not supposed to and i believe that's a practical step i do too I'll be honest with you there's been some doors over these last couple of weeks that have slammed shut that i was like ooh, that would have been a fun door to walk through but i like the fact that i don't have to guess anymore you know yes, sir. we know that beyond the open door as the song says is a new fresh anointing and we want to hear the spirit calling us to go as we walk through the door the Lord will go before us into a greater power we've never known before. I love the line in that song that the Gaithers used to sing, because that's where I'm thinking, like beyond that door, that's where God wants us to go. And getting to that place, that's when you're spending time in the word. That's when you're leading from the overflow. That's where right now in this season, uh, there's a great book. I've talked about it before on here, but there's a book by Lance Witt. It's called Replenish, Leading from a Healthy Soul. And even in these moments of waiting, in these moments where we don't know what our next assignment is, it's such a great opportunity to work on your soul, to to get to that Mm -hmm. place of nourishment where you're learning. And I'm so thankful for the break. Dude, I just got back from a 12-day road trip. We hit 10 states (laughs) in in 12 days. Man, That might be the closest thing to hell I'm ever going to experience in life, being in a car (laughs) that long with my kids. But I'm so thankful for that. We got to see 12 states, you know, we got, or excuse me, 10 states. We got to spend time together. We got to go uh, over this last, I got to go to, uh, uh, what is it, Levon Drive in Garland, Texas, and hang out with Daniel and Ashley Wynn and see, uh, or, you know, Pastor Robbie there. Got to go to the Men of Valor Conference with Eric and and uh, Randall Ballou, who still needs Jesus. Like, I got to see all of these <laughs> friends and, and go and speak at places that, you know, the opportunities wouldn't have been there a few months ago. And so I don't hate the waiting season. I love the waiting season because I believe that in the waiting season is where God is. And I said this the other day, and I fully believe it is that at times we tend to put a period where God has just put a comma. We feel like, Mm -hmm. Oh, there's nothing beyond this. We're not moving into a new realm where God's saying, Hey, it's just a break. It's a pause. There's something better coming, and I really do believe the best is yet to come. And this is not just for me. This is for you who are listening to this, that just because you're in a waiting season, just because what you thought you would be doing or where you thought you would be has not turned out, you may be searching for God's will. Don't give up hope. You have survived 100% of your worst days, and if you're still breathing, you're still standing, and God's not finished with you yet, don't put a period where God has put a comma. Enjoy the waiting. He will meet you in the waiting. Man, that's so good. And JC, even when God does give us the desires of our heart and he opens the door and we know that we are in the middle of his will, like I do, I know I'm in the middle of his will. I love Asheville. I cannot believe God has allowed me to move here and pastor here in this church. It's amazing. I just, I love it, man. 
uh, I, I was just in the backyard with my two daughters and these three bears walked down out of the woods, a mother bear and two cubs. And we, I'm going to wow. send you guys the video. It's, it's amazing. I'll post it on the fan page, but guys, it, it was just beautiful. I, I got up this morning, drove down to downtown Asheville, went into Starbucks, met a few people, got a coffee, came into the church office, started getting things together. Like I am living the dream. I absolutely love with all of my heart church planning. And this is just the perfect place for me, my family. But here's the deal. I believe I'm in the center of God's will. I love where I'm at. I love this place. He's given me the desires of my heart, but I just had the most brutal yeah. week as a pastor, the craziest, worst, most difficult situation I've ever faced as a pastor happened to me week one in Asheville. Yep. Does that and mean by I'm the way, not... go ahead. You led with incredible integrity and incredible mm. wisdom. And dude, I am so grateful for you. And anybody that listens to this podcast, and you don't believe that Nathan Cravat is a man of prayer, and a godly man, and a man mm. of integrity, who guards the church of Jesus Christ with all of his life and his heart, then you are badly mistaken. Nathan, I didn't mean to interrupt, but you've done incredibly well, man. Thank you. But it, it's been tough. <laughs> but you yeah. know, God's will for us doesn't mean, you know, we're, everything's going to be perfect. A lot of times mm -hmm. there's suffering. A lot of times there's a lot of hard work to be done so he can bless a certain place. And, and I'm just thankful to be here and whatever, whatever comes like I'm, I'm ready to become more like Jesus and I'm ready to lead the church of Jesus here that he's put me, uh, in leadership of, I'm ready to, to begin this journey with him. Well, you know, Speaking, JC, of your road trip, JC, Nathan, called me the other night, and the noises and the sounds that were inside of his truck <laughs> or his vehicle, whatever he was driving, only a man who loves his family and kids would talk about being in those 10 states over those 12 days in that vehicle with a <laughs> smile on his face because I was thinking... If I'd been in that vehicle, I'd have been holding my head out the window trying to hit the mirror of a transfer truck. Like it was, <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, man, Apple they were screaming. With the noise canceling effect works better than you could ever imagine. I don't hear anything. That's here's, funny. Here's what I love. JC and I were having this deep conversation and, and JC was talking about the will of God and what's coming up in his life. And it literally sounded like this. And you know, Brian, I'm confident that Jesus is going to hush, stop it. I'm confident that Jesus is going to take it. Get your hands off of her. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like <laughs> it was the greatest conversation, but listen, you know, <laughs> JC, you know, that's true. Natural. It is. And I don't yeah. even to do it because it's just part of my, like, Existing. They just all the time. Yeah. Yeah. so, so anyway, uh, what I was going to say is, you know, David, uh, I believe it's Psalm 39. If I'm mistaken on that, everybody forgive me. I've preached twice today and I just had surgery. And no, but if, <laughs> I think it's Psalm 39. But David prayed, Lord, make me to know the end of my days. Yeah. Teach me, help me to number my days. What an unusual prayer. I mean, in American culture, life is so easy for us. 
Like our prayer is, God, make me that 85-year-old that shuffles to the buffet in my orthopedic tennis shoes, you know, on a carnival cruise. You know, I want to be that person. Let me let me keep living. And David's praying uh, from a place of distress. God, help me to know the end of my days. And then, you know, I imagine David just in that thought, in that moment, looking down at his hand, and he says, you know, my life is just a handbreadth. Mm. And in that time, the handbreadth, you know, was a measurement. It was the width of four fingers. So if you hold up your four fingers, you tuck your thumb in your palm, and you, you really look at those four fingers, this is about all life is. And, and David, following that, he said, Lord, my life is, is nothing before you. You're eternal. I only occupy a small span of time. And, and in that moment, in that thought, it was so overwhelming. This word appears, Selah. Mm -hmm. I need to pause. Yeah. I need to think about this. I need to meditate on this. And I'm convinced that we are missing Selah in our lives. We're missing time when we truly meditate on the fact that we're only here for a moment. Yeah. Like, you know, our span of life is brief. And, you know, in Ecclesiastes, JC, you referenced it earlier. Solomon used the Hebrew word hevel mm. repeatedly. As a matter of fact, I think 38 times hevel. And it literally means smoke. And what he was saying is, your life is smoke and you're pursuing smoke. So your life is smoke and you're pursuing smoke. Mm. We're trying to grasp what can't be grasped. And so I think if we really realize how brief our lives are, that our life is just like a puff of smoke. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I think then we would realize the, the importance of investing our lives yeah. and and if we invest our lives well then at the end of life we're not just holding smoke we're not just reaching for smoke but yeah. there's something greater yeah and um and so when it comes to god's will i want to invest my life well and i'm just going to say this and then i'd love to hear what you guys think about this saint augustine said Love God and do whatever you please. Mm, I love for that. the soul for the soul trained in love to God will do nothing to offend the one who is beloved. Man, that's so, so good. So love God, love yeah. him, pursue him, chase after him. And then whether you're in Asheville or you're in Georgia or you're in Tennessee, or you're in China, or Quebec, wherever you are, if you make sure that you fall head over heels in love with Jesus and never let that first love go, mm. that you wouldn't want to do anything to grieve him, then I believe at the end of life, you can say with Paul, I fought a good fight, I kept the faith, I finished the course. That's good. Amen. I, one of my favorite books ever. Brian, you made me re remember this is 
John, uh, John Piper, uh, don't waste your life. Yes. You no, know, he, he talked about, I actually was there in 2000 at one of the very first passion conferences where he preached the seashell message where he talked yeah. about, you know, at the end of our days where he, we can say, you know, well, I retired. Well, I got a good golf game. I've been collecting seashells. You know, here's my seashell. Wow. Here's my seashell collection, Lord, you know, but then he talked about two ladies who at 80 years old in Cameroon, you know, they lost their mm. life, but they did for the glory of God. And I'm like, that's what I want at the end of my day. I want to finish the race. Well, and I believe that some people, you know, listening to this, you may be battling with what is God's will for my life. You know, we have a ton of college students that listen to the podcast and maybe you're sitting at school at Baptist Bible College, at Trinity, at Pensacola, at Bob Jones, at Crown, at Hiles Anderson, and you're listening to this, um, and you're wondering, what is my next step? What is what does God have for my life? Am I supposed to, you know, just get married and and go be a, a deacon and work a full-time job? Am I supposed to go into ministry? What, what, what am I supposed to do? Here's what I've learned, is that when you take a step of faith, leading by the Holy Spirit, even if it's something that you thought was not something that you could ever do, you're going to be walking in his will because mm. God will continue to lead you when you take steps of faith. And, you know, guys, I, I think I've shared this story on here, but when I was growing up, I went to New Life Camp in Raleigh, North Carolina, and uh, I had a counselor the one year I was there, I think I was eight, nine, 10, 11 years old. And, uh, we had a counselor by the name of Hank. I don't know Hank's last name, but Hank was about seven foot tall and to swim at new life camp in Raleigh, North Carolina, you had, there was two sides. There was the shallow side, which was like a Rocky beach where all the turtles were at, or there was the deep side. And the deep side had two diving boards and a zip line and a blog, a blob, not a blog, a blob. <laughs> jump off to swim in the deep side to go on the zip line, the blob, the you had to jump off the high dive. It was a 12 foot high dive, and I was terrified. I'm scared to death of water that I can't see the bottom of. I don't yeah. swim in anything but pools, oceans, lakes, rivers. Stuff. That's for critters, not for uh, that's my wife. <laughs> I don't swim in anything but pools if I can't see the bottom of it. But I was terrified when I got to the top of that diving board because I was like, I'm the only fat kid floating on the water over there on the shallow <laughs> side. Now my friends are having fun. And I was like, I'm not doing this. I was in a t-shirt, by the way, because you know, you can't show your chest if you're a guy, because that's <laughs> anyhow, and blue jeans. Um, but I get over there and I climbed <laughs> up the ladder of the 12 foot diving board and I was going to jump off of it. But when I got up there, man, I felt like I was on top of a skyscraper. I was like, this is terrible. I felt as high, and y'all know what I'm like with heights. You saw me in Manhattan looking out the window of our high rise. Oh, yeah. Hotel. I'm terrified. I fell down and I grabbed the diving board. Like I was bear hugging that thing. I couldn't go back down the ladder. I'm husky. I'm out of breath. I'm about to have an asthma attack. I'm panic attack. And I'm laying on this diving board. And I'll never forget this moment. I look down to the right of me and there stands Hank, that seven foot counselor i felt like his head was even with the 12 foot diving board and he said hey groves you're gonna have to take a step off the front of the diving board don't jump just step you're a big boy gravity will take over and you'll hit the water before you know it hold your breath before you hit the water but take a step uh, i said i can't do it he goes that's, that's all you gotta good. do man take a step 
And so I walked to the end of the diving board and it's bending down because I was husky plus my blue jeans made me <laughs> add a couple more pounds to it. <laughs> and I took a step and I was in the water. And you know what I did over and over and over and over again? I got up back up on that diving board because once the fear went away, the fear of the unknown, the fear of what could be, I didn't get eaten by an alligator or hippopotamus or whatever was in the bottom of that water. I just took a jump off the, I took a step off the diving board. And I think sometimes what we tend to do is we miss God's will, if you will, because we're so afraid of the unknown, like yeah. taking a step of faith is scary. I'll be honest yeah. with you. It's leaving the comfortable. It's leaving the unknown and stepping into the unknown. But what you will find is when you take those steps of faith, you will find his faithfulness. Guys, we can mm. all attest that he was faithful back then as he's yeah. faithful right now and faithful. He will always be. So I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what you're listening to this episode with or when this hits you, but maybe you just need to take a step of faith. Yeah. And I can promise you that when you do, he will show you incredible things and lead you to great places. Man, what that's amazing, story. JC. And uh, just for me in closing, the most practical thing about God's will is that God reveals his will clearly in scripture. Yes, he does. And think about how arrogant it is to pray and ask God to reveal his will about a specific situation in your life when you're intentionally disobeying God's mm -hmm. revealed will in scripture. Like, God, what state do I move to? God, what job do I take? God, who do mm -hmm. I marry? And then you're, you're intentionally disobeying God in areas of your life. Here's the thing that we need to remember. God has revealed his clear will in scripture. And if we want God's blessing on our lives, then we need to walk according to that. So yes, we, we've said God's will is practical. So let's get real practical. Preacher, if you're, if you're worried about missing God's will, Here's what missing God's will looks like, neglecting your family. Here's what missing God's yes, will looks like, flirting with someone that's not your wife. Woman, if you want to want to, that's probably uh, insensitive, right? Calling someone woman, lady, yeah. uh, uh, female person out there, pastor's wife out there. If you want to miss God's will, uh, start focusing on the things of this world rather than the things that God is telling you to do. Your children the things that he's put in your life. Anytime we step out of God's revealed will, we are not obeying his will and we can't claim to be in the center of his will. So I said earlier that God cares more about who we are than what we do. But here's the thing about that. God does care about what we do because what we do reveals who we are. Yeah. So that's why he cares more about our heart because our heart guides all of our behaviors and our actions. And so we need to remember that scripture is God's revealed will for us. And if we're walking in obedience to that, I think it, it, God, it brings God's heart joy to reveal a specific plan of action to us. And I think he can do that in a million ways. Yeah. If he knows we're walking in his will and we're pleasing him and we're, we're obedient to his word, I think he's a lot more likely to show us what specific situation would be beneficial for our family in and spiritually for our family and what doors he needs to slam because I pray that prayer all the time, JC, like, Lord, this looks amazing, but if this isn't your will, please just yeah. make this impossible. And he's done that over and over and over for me. Yeah.
So the last thing I'll add to this conversation, just to follow up on what JC said, and then Nathan, what you just said, uh, I think the will of God looks like Romans chapter 12, verse one and two. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable act of worship. Hmm. I think our pursuit needs to be that our lives, our daily lives become an act of worship to God as we live out a sacrificial life for him and for his glory. I read that. Uh, that's not original, but it really stuck with me. Yeah. When our lives are an act of worship that we daily lay before God, that's just beautiful. And, and when you pursue that and you commit to that, no matter where you live, JC, whatever God has for you next, God, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to present my body as a sacrifice. And I'm doing this because I believe you are worthy of that act of worship mm. in Asheville. As I plant this church, I'm going to lay my life before you. I believe you're worthy of any and every act of worship I can give you, including my very life. To me, that sounds like the will of God. Amen. Amen. I tell you something that might be the will of God. And if it's not, it's definitely our will. We'd love to see you in November. Yes. <laughs> November 3rd, yes. 4th and 5th. Talk about an awkward transition. There, there it is. But we have the For the Sake of the Gospel Conference coming November 3rd, 4th, and 5th in Danville, Virginia at the Hope Church. $50 a person going to be three incredible days of some incredible community and speaking and music we'd love for you to sign up today by going to recoveringfundamentalist.org and guys I, I can't say enough about this lineup it's going to be absolutely incredible oh yes a 500 conference for 50 bucks it's amazing it really is the music's going to be amazing the preaching is going to be awesome i'm i'm looking forward to hearing god's word taught clearly yeah in context, everything that this podcast has been built upon, you know, this is a real defining moment for us as a podcast. And I honestly think some of the people that are a little bit uncertain about us, you need to come to this conference. Come on. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of these balanced independent Baptist pastors need to come to this conference to see yes, what sir. we're talking about. Cause you're going to see on, the Brandon. difference in, in what a, a traditional camp meeting that's focused on emotionalism and, and response and all this other stuff is versus a conference that's aimed at worshiping God and truly uh, teaching scripture in context. I, I think it's going to be a defining moment for us, and we really want you to be there. Yeah, and if that's not enough, they just built a brand new Biscuitville. Hello, come within on. Within two minutes of the front door of our church's building. So how cool you can go to Biscuitville, JC, I'm going to take you and get you a pimento cheese and bacon biscuit. Woo! It will change your life forever. That but sounds awesome. Nathan, I, are, are you going to bring Sluter from Asheville with you? I'm going to try to get him to come with us. Yeah, definitely. If That'd that's awesome. okay with you, I'll buy his ticket. Yeah, you just invited everybody. So Brad, Nick, and Cody, did, come, come on, come on, come on, man. I might go get Nathan down in Florida and bring him up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <Ranger. laughs> well, 
<laughs> you know, I just hope everybody comes and I hope everybody realizes how amazing it's going to be. And the fact that, you know, the three of us, along with a lot of other people, including the, you know, the podcast network, I mean, we're pouring our hearts into this and we, we want to provide this so that not only we can have fellowship with you, but so that we can just trumpet the message of the gospel. Yeah. It's, it's going to be powerful. And I really hope you guys are uh, going to make it. And by the way, Nathan, I just want to say this. When people hear about Asheville and about you watching three bears, you know, walking down the creek behind the house, some of you need to seriously pray about moving to Asheville yes. and helping plant the church there so that you can experience what it truly feels like to be in biblical community and under good sound preaching where you have an opportunity to live in fellowship with God's people and to serve a community for the sake of the gospel. Some of you mm. really need to pray about that. Yeah, I would love to have you come. We have two or three families already praying about it. And I believe there's some other couples out there that could that could really pray about coming and being a part of this. Uh, God's will is practical and Asheville needs Jesus. And we need yes, some families here to help us do this. The job market is amazing here. Yeah, housing is high, but uh, the job market's amazing and, and there are jobs everywhere. We would love to help you get here, get on the ground and start doing life together, planning this church. And and by the way, let me go ahead and, and continue this. If there are any pastors out there that are needing a solid biblical preacher to come to your church and fill the pulpit or yes, speak sir. for an event, J.C. Groves is on the road. Are, are, are you officially an evangelist again, J.C.? Not yet. No, wait, Not we're, yet, we're, but we're, that, we're, that's we're, in the works. We're praying about it. Well, yeah. and let's, thanks for throwing that out there. Let's yeah. harken back to the old school days. JC can't just, just preach a great message. He can sing like nobody. Yes, business. he can. And if Kim comes along, Hey, back in the day, they thought it was a big deal to have Squire Parsons. Yeah. Hey, you can have JC and Kim Groves. And I'm telling you, your church is going to be absolutely blown away for a men's event or a youth event. And JC, I've said this repeatedly. God used you to build a larger student ministry than anybody I've ever known in my life. And so I believe that whether you stay in evangelism or you plant a church or you move into a lead pastor role or you go on staff somewhere, I think people still need to get in touch with you. And uh, I think God will use you in, in powerful ways. And I'm, I'm excited about it, actually. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the, the support. Yes, sir. Aren't you going to be with Adam Bray here in the next few weeks? Oh, this, this, a week from today, we're going to be down in gray, Georgia with Adam Bray. And then Wednesday we're in uh, winder, Georgia. Um, got I'm, dates are coming in like crazy. I've been filling in at this little bitty church in Lyons, Georgia, eight people. It's been incredible. The last two Sundays, they had eight people and we got in there and man, I'm like, well, I got more people in this than my family, but this is fun. Let's go ahead and jump into it. <laughs> That's amazing, man. I love I love your humility in doing that, JC, because Brian, JC literally went from two weeks ago preaching to 800 college students and a couple hundred uh, uh, high school students and middle school students to going to preaching to eight, man, that's how I am. I don't care how many people are there. If you give me an opportunity to open God's word and preach, I'm there. Let's that's go. It. 
I'll preach to anybody anywhere, anytime. It's like Tim Lee said the night I surrendered to preach. He said, if you can do anything else, do it. Yeah. And if you can't, do it every opportunity he gives you. And so I never want to pass up an opportunity, and uh, I'm thankful for it. But one thing I do want to say to those that are thinking about going to Asheville to be with Nathan, if you go, you will get a signed copy of Left Behind by Nathan Kerbeck. Yes, you will. <laughs> In your personal life. <laughs> yes. You came I'm, back to that. That's all. I might even get Andrew Sluter to sign a couple of these. I mean, he's dispensational, right? That that there makes sense. Oh, goodness. Oh, I love oh, it. Hey, we also have the Israel trip coming up January 27th through February the 4th. There's only a few spots left for that trip. And this is a pastor's only trip. We'd love for you to go check out the recoveringfundamentalist.org. And uh, be sure to get signed up there today. Hey, I have missed doing this. This is amazing. Yeah. And by the way, I have to make myself look bad. So you guys always kid with me about electronics. And you know that I don't care about electronics. My daddy called me the other night and he said, Brian, I've been over here for 30 minutes trying to sign up for this Israel trip. And <laughs> I can't figure it out. He said, would you help me do it? I said, daddy, I don't have a clue, man. <laughs> And daddy said, well, I'm calling Nathan and JC. I said, well, they'll know how. <laughs> and by the way, he already has pastors who are going on the trip, getting in touch with him and asking him to baptize them in the Jordan river. That's and so amazing. He is so fired up and excited about this that, um, we gotta, we gotta figure out how to get signed up. Help yes. the old people help. The yes. Old people. And you by know the what way, go ahead. You know what I'm loving about Craig Edwards? What's that? So he, you told him to message us. That man's on my schedule. 3 a.m. He shoots me a Facebook message. How do I sign up for the <laughs> Israel trip? <laughs> That's amazing. That's what I'm, <laughs> I'm like, I'm sharing Facebook memes with Craig Edwards at 3 a.m. This is a good day in my life. Hey, he is, is an so Edwards. awesome. Hey, by the, by the way, Brian, there's this cool little switch on the side of your phone. If you flip it off, it won't ding every time we text you while we're recording a pod <laughs> podcast. I've heard your phone ding. That had been times. my phone. JC, my is that computer. you? Oh, I don't that's know your how computer. To my computer message off. <laughs> See, you blame me, Nathan. Like, what are you supposed to why say? Why don't you mute your phone? Oh my goodness! I keep what are you supposed to say to me, Nathan? I'm sorry, Brian. Yeah, I, I really apologize. Brian, hey, by the way, have you seen me mute my mic three or four times and yell, "Be quiet"? Yep. <laughs> Yep, I I'm have. recording at home now in my bedroom and the kids are out there and it's like a daycare. So I've gone, you be quiet. <laughs> well, just, just for everybody's listening pleasure. Do you guys know why dark is spelled with a K? No, no. Because you can't see in the dark. You can't see. <laughs> well, thanks for tuning in to the recovering fundamentalist <laughs> podcast. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you back here sometime we never we don't know when the next episode is coming out just tune in and we'll let you know all right boys y'all have a good week be sweet Peace. thanks for listening to the recovering fundamentalist podcast be sure to stop by our social media facebook instagram and twitter give us a follow also go to our website recoveringfundamentalist.org that's recoveringfundamentalist.org there you can find recovering fundamentalist swag you can get your t-shirts and hats you can join our x fundy community see where we're going to be having some meetups it's the recoveringfundamentalist.org be sure to join us next time for the recovering fundamentalist podcast